through books of the Bible, just so you don't have to search for the book that I stand up and mention on Sunday. So uh, sometimes it gets confusing. But Acts is one of those that are that's fairly easy to find. Find your way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. All right. So right there after the Gospels, and find your way to Acts chapter number 17. Acts 17 is where we're going to be. This morning, we're going to dive into God's Word here in just a few moments. Just as a reminder, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to be having a family Sunday, which we will not have our normal kids' class. We're going to have everybody in here, but we'll have some special things for the kids to be able to uh, enjoy during the service, and then we'll have prizes for them after the service if they listen good. And uh, so make sure that you bring your kids here um, and uh, look forward to that Sunday. I think it's going to be a fun time together, sweet time as a church, as we gather together and have everybody in one place. And I'm looking forward to the wonderful Sunday, the last Sunday of the month. Today, uh, as we just have the big people in here, we're going to be diving into Acts chapter number 17. Acts chapter number 17. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then we're going to dive into the scriptures together this morning. Father, thank you for the opportunity you give us to be able to open your word now. And God, as we uh, preach your word, I pray, God, that you would uh, step in right now, that you would speak to hearts. I pray for each person that's here. God, that you would stir, that you would convict. I ask, Lord, that you would do what only you can do. I pray, Lord, for, for each person, Lord, that um, the heart, your heart, you would open their hearts. And, God, that you would be able to speak. And, Lord, you know that um, there's prayer, there's preparation that's gone into this message. And, Lord, I, I know this is what you desire for us to, to hear this morning. God, I look forward to how you're going to work. Lord, speak through me. I need you now. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Acts chapter number 17, as it, the chapter starts, Paul had been preaching in, in Thessalonica. And as he was preaching there in Thessalonica, I love what the Bible says in verses 2 through 5. The Bible says, says this, and Paul, as his manner was, I, I love that, because this was just what Paul did. I mean, this was just his life. Uh, as his manner was, he went in and unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures. Paul just preached to him. He gave them the Gospel, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. Listen, Paul went to these synagogues, to this, these places, places in Thessalonica, and he just simply preached the Gospel to them. And the Bible says in verse number 4, And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude and of the chief women not a few uh the bible says that there was a, a multitude of them that believed a multitude of them that followed and believed the teachings that that paul was given to them but the bible says in verse number five but the jews which believed not moved with envy took unto them certain flute fellows of the baser sort and gathered a company set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of jason and sought to bring them out to the people and so we see that this religious crowd uh, didn't like the the the, the messages that, that paul and silas were preaching they, in fact, hated the message about Jesus being the Christ, the one true way to heaven, giving the gospel. They didn't want anything to do with that. And so what did they do? They rose up. They stirred up the people that were in the town and those around them. And they went to go and find Paul and Silas and to uh, really just get rid of them, get, get, take care of them. And so uh, as, they, as they did that, the Bible tells us that, that Paul and Silas got, got moved. They, they went to another place, the Bible tells us. And in verse number 10, it tells us that they found their way to Berea. 
they, they reached Berea. And, and while they were there at Berea, once again, the Bible tells us that, that Paul began to, to preach to them. Once again, he, he began to, to give the gospel to them. And verse number 11 is that familiar verse. Now, the, uh, they, these were more noble than those that were in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Uh, and then it says, therefore, many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and men, not a few. And so here this multitude, once again, uh, the, the group of people, uh, again, responding to the gospel. And the truth is this, anywhere that the gospel is preached, anywhere that God's word is given, it leaves an impact. It makes a difference. And the Bible is very clear that anytime God's word is given, his word will not return void, but it will accomplish where to it is sent. And that's exactly what was taking place here. But once again, those same Jews that were in Thessalonica found their way to Berea. And again, here they end. They come in and they try to get get in the way and try to stir up the people. And that's exactly what they did. And because they were afraid of what was going to happen to to Paul, the the people, not not, not, uh, Paul and Silas, but the people that that he was preaching to, they're afraid of what was going to happen to Paul. And so the Bible tells us that once again, they sent Paul away, but Timothy and, and Silas remained there. They sent Paul. Paul away, and the Bible tells us they sent him over to Athens, Greece. Athens, Greece. And that is where we come to our scriptures this morning. Verse number 16. Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Have you ever been stirred up about something? Anything got you stirred up before? My, my kids... Uh, we there's 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 a couple of spots on our property, but there's there's a couple of spots where there's these big old ant hills. All right, you know, and like we didn't have these whenever I was growing up in Indiana. They didn't have great big mounds of ants, and uh, but we've got a couple of them on our property. And our kids love to just aggravate aggravate the fire out of those things. I mean, they'll go over to them and I mean, sticking them with sticks and throwing things. And I mean, if you've ever seen somebody you know disrupt an ant hill like that, I mean, they get angry. I mean, like they're all over the place. They're looking for what's doing it to them, and, and they're going to attack and kill whatever it is. And I always tell our kids, I'm like, be careful. What are you doing? Don't don't stand in it. You know, I mean, like, what are you? What are you thinking? You know, don't don't do this. I mean, you're, what are you doing? Uh, you're, you're getting them stirred up. You're getting them angry about something. Uh, that's not good. We've probably all been stirred up about something. Uh, we, we, we no doubt have, have been stirred up about politics over these last couple of years. So there's probably been things that have taken place. Listen, every time I go to the gas pump, I get stirred up, all right? I mean, just uh, there's something in me that gets burning, right? You know, we get stirred up about things. It, it's something that happens in our lives. And while Paul was here waiting in Athens, while he's sitting here and he's waiting for, for, for Silas and he's waiting for Timothy to join him, the Bible says that Paul got stirred up. Stirred up. As we come into this week, where we are going to have a, an emphasis, a focus on something called missions. We're going to talk about missions this week. I'm looking forward to having the, the Godfreys with us. They're one of the missionaries that we support. As he's going to come in and he's going to preach with an emphasis on missions, on going forth and, and the great commission. As he comes and he's going to preach on those things. And as we begin this week, I'm concerned because I believe as a church and oftentimes as Christians and here at Whitehall Baptist Church, we've gotten a little too comfortable. For many, the entire Christian life is based on convenience. 
I mean, let's, let's just be real today. I mean, for, for most in the church, it, it's totally based on if it fits into our schedule, then yes, we'll be at church. Yes, we'll do the church things. Uh, yes, I mean, missions conference this week. I mean, yeah, if I can move some things around or, you know, well, in fact, actually, I'm not going to move anything around. I just said that. But, but if, 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 if it fits into my schedule, then yeah, I mean, if it's convenient, then yes, I'll be there. You know, and, and what's happened in our life is we've squeezed all the big rocks into our our jar, if you will. I mean, we squeeze in the big rocks of, you know, like family, which obviously is a, is a big rock. We, we squeeze into the big rock of, of, of our job, which yes, I mean, of course, that, that's, that's a big rock in our life. We squeeze in the big rocks like, you know, the outdoors. We squeeze in the, in the big rocks like, like activities and, and doing things and, and having fun and, and all these different stuff. But some, somehow, some way, the big rock and the biggest rock of all, God, has gotten left outside. And yeah, we'll squeeze them in when there's room. And God has been taken off of the throne. And you can mark it down. Missions won't even be on the radar. If God isn't in the place that he should be in. Friend can I challenge you this morning. Let's wake up. Let's get stirred up about the things of the Lord. As we look at the passage before us, we will find that Paul, in a moment where he could have just sat back, where he could have just relaxed, where he could have just kicked up his feet. I mean, he'd already just preached the gospel in Thessalonica and seen many people saved. And then he went over to Berea and preached the gospel there and saw multitudes get saved. And he had faced resistance. Listen, he could have checked off all the boxes right there and said, listen, I've done a pretty good job this month. I think I'll just take a few weeks off. He could have done that, but he didn't. No, while Paul waited for them in Athens, in a time where he could have just sat back and relaxed, Paul got stirred up. And this morning, I hope and I pray that when you leave the building this morning, that you don't leave the way that you came in. I hope that there is a fire that burns deep inside of every single heart this morning. I hope there is a burning deep in your soul. I pray that you get stirred up. And last night I was praying that God would stir up some people in Whitehall Baptist Church. That it wouldn't just be a game that we play anymore. How did Paul get stirred up? Well, first of all, he saw a city's condition. Look at verse 16 again. It says, now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him. Why? When he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. He saw a city wholly given to idolatry. He goes into a little bit further detail a couple of verses later. In verse number 22, he he begins to talk and he says, And Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. There was a hill that was there. And and he, he begins to speak. And he says, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Listen, Acts chapter number 17 is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Here Paul is, he's on Mars Hill and he finally stands up and he says, Listen, you guys are, are too superstitious. superstitious. He said, here's what was happening. The people in, in, in Athens, Greece, that's, that's a familiar place, alright? We, we would understand this historically. This was a pretty popular place. And, and in the big city is where it was. And, and so in this place, in Athens, Greece... There was a lot of religion, a lot of religion, a lot of confusion. And so what they would do is they would set up idols, they would set up altars 
to, to the various little g gods that they had. And so maybe they had a god of the sun and they'd set up an idol. They'd have a god of the water and they'd set up uh, one, one for that. They'd have a, a god of the wind and they'd set up one for that. They, they'd set up a god for, for, for everything. I mean, they had gods for, for everything that you could think of. And if somebody didn't have, if somebody came up with one, they said, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, we, we need one for that too. And, and they go and they set up an idol for that one. And they go and they set up all the gods that they, literally all they could think of. And finally, the, somebody must have came along one day and said, listen, I'm just concerned that maybe we've forgotten one. <laughs> and so what we need to do is we need to set up an altar to an unknown God. Just in case we missed one. And Paul stands there and he says, listen. You've got your altars and your idols of the gods of the sun and the sea and the rain and the wind and, and, and all these different gods. But he says, listen, there's one whom you ignorantly worship and he's the one I want to talk to you about. You worship an idol, an altar called the unknown God. But let me tell you who that unknown God is. Let me tell you about somebody that I know that clearly is unknown to you. Friend, do you feel anything today? Because when Paul saw this city that was wholly given to idolatry, that was just saturated with religion and, and idolatrous practices, Paul couldn't just sit, sit by. He couldn't just sit by and just, and just watch people pass by. No, the Bible says when he saw that city wholly given to idolatry, there was something that burned inside of him. He got stirred up. And listen, friend, can I tell you, I feel like we have gotten so numb to all the things that's going on in our world and the worldly direction of our very nation and the churches in our nation. Now listen, we don't even feel anything anymore. We're in our little corner of Montana. We're, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. I mean, like, we don't, I mean, we don't deal with the things that are going on in San Francisco or Portland or New York City or Chicago. Listen, Whitehall, Montana, Sheridan, Montana, Butte, Montana, listen, they're different from those places. We would all agree with that. And I am thankful that we live where we live. If I lived in those places, I would leave and come here. Just like so many are trying to. But, but friend, listen, I, I've preached from this passage before, and I stood up and I said, listen, in fact, I think I was preaching over in Butte at the time. And, and I stood there and I said, listen, we don't have idols like they did back in, in, in Paul's day in Athens. And then I don't know, like out the window, I looked up and up on top of the mountain, there was this great big statue Do you know what our world is, is saturated with? The same thing that Paul's was. Now, we may not have idols everywhere like, like Paul did. There may not be altars all over the place. But you know what we have? we got a whole lot of religion. A whole lot of religion. And just like in Paul's day, it ought to stir something up in you. A world wholly given to idolatry, that's what it is. Friend, this morning, if you've been relying on your religion to get you to heaven, 
you haven't read the Bible. Because religion doesn't get anybody to heaven. See, not a single Catholic, Methodist, Presbyterian, Buddhist, Baptist, or any other denomination that you can pick out is going to go to heaven based on the title that they have given themselves. There's going to be a whole lot of people that's going to stand before God one day and claim that they were a Baptist and therefore they should get into heaven and God is going to turn them away to a lake of fire for all of eternity. Because it is not your title of religion that gets you to heaven. It doesn't matter if you identify as a Baptist or any other alphabet soup of religion out there today. There is only one way to heaven. And it's through what the Bible tells us. That's Jesus Christ. See, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners. Every one of us. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. And there's a wage, a penalty for our sin. That payment, that wage that we have to pay is death. It's eternity in a lake of fire. And the Bible has told us that Jesus Christ came. And what did He do? He died on the cross for us. He paid that payment of death in our place. He came and lived a perfectly sinless life on this earth for 33 and a half years. And then He was crucified on that cross. But He didn't stay in the grave. No, the Bible says three days later, He rose again. In fact, not only did the Bible say it, history has proven it. If Jesus wasn't risen, then why don't they just come up with the body? Why is the tomb empty? They did, In fact, they did everything that they could to try to stop Because they knew that Jesus said he was going to rise again. They put Roman guards there at the entrance of that gravestone saying, listen, uh, we got to do everything that we can to stop so that they don't come and steal his body. Listen, friend, nobody stole the body of Jesus. Jesus rose again the third day. And that's the reason that you can put your faith and trust in his payment and his payment alone. The Bible says that if we believe in our heart, We confess with our mouth that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. There has to be a point in our life that we come and we say, God, I know that I am a sinner. That I cannot get there on my own. What 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 does religion teach? Religion teaches that there is a list of things that I can do to get favor with God. And it doesn't work that way. Listen, friend. God loves you just as much on the first day that he saves you as he does every day thereafter. You cannot increase in the love of God. You get all the love of God. But listen, friend, before you accept his gift, you are on the path of the wrath of God. Because the Bible tells us that if we reject him and we reject his gift of eternal life and we trust in religion or anything that I can do, the wages of my sin is death. But friend, if you come to that point where you confess, God, I know that I am a sinner and I can't get there on my own. You ask the Lord to forgive you for your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, then, then, then you need to accept Him today. And listen, friend, if you are here this morning and you have accepted Christ as your Savior, listen, religious, religion ought to stir you up. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired. Religion is sending so many people to hell, and I hate it. 
And there should be something inside of you that stirs you up. And when somebody says, where do you go to church? Sure, you can tell me you go to White Hope Baptist Church, but make sure you follow it up by saying, yeah, but I believe the Bible. Because it's not about what the name of your church is. It's about what the Bible says. And you ought to get stirred up about it. The Bible tells us in Lamentations chapter number 3, verse number 51, Mine eye affecteth my heart because the daughter is my city. And in Matthew 9.36, Jesus says, But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Why? Because they, were, they fainted, were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. This morning, if you realize the truth, the truth that, that there aren't many ways to heaven and religion is sending souls to an eternity in a lake of fire, something should stir up inside of you. Where you can't just go through day after day after day after day and say, well, listen, they're a good person, so it'll probably all work out in the end. Not according to this book. We may say that to make ourselves feel good, but not according to this book. This book says there's one way to heaven. And God was so gracious, he sent his son to pay that payment for us. So we could have access to an eternity with him. you aren't stirred up about it oh what are we doing when I was younger we were standing around a campfire at camp the last night we would have a campfire everybody would stand around there and people would give their testimonies about different things I'll never forget a good buddy of mine he's a few years older than I am but he was standing there and he his name was John Winders and, and John stood up and he had kind of an interesting way of thinking through. He just, he just did. He just thought through things different. I remember one time, they have lightning bugs down south. You guys are Iowa. You guys know lightning bugs. I mean, come on, you know, how many of you have seen a lightning bug before? Yeah, they're cool, okay? You know, you see them in person, you go catch them in jars. I remember one time we were standing there and like, he's just like looking over and it's like, John, what are you doing? He was like, look at those lightning bugs. He said, I kind of think that maybe they're God's little cameras and they're all just taking pictures of us, you know? And it's just like, all right, John, you're, you're kind of different, but all right, you know? I'll never forget, we're standing around there that night and that fire's burning. And he said, you know, he said, if one of you fell into that fire, he said, I would do everything that I could to pull you out. He said, I would even risk myself getting burnt to try to save your life from getting burned in that fire. He said everybody here would do everything they could to, to rescue them. I mean, you would stop everything in your life to save that person from falling into this physical fire that's burning right in front of you. And he said, yet every day people are stepping into a lake of fire, getting closer and closer. And we stand back and do nothing. Oh, friend. Paul, when he saw that city wholly given to idolatry, he saw the direction that they were going and it was right to a lake of fire. Paul got stirred up. And I hope this morning God will stir something in your heart as well. Paul saw the city's condition and, and, and listen what it did for him. Verse number 17, he, he started preaching everywhere. Verse number 17, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily and with them that met with him. Listen, Paul got stirred up. And when he got stirred up, he got going. He could not contain himself. The Bible says he went to the synagogue and he preached there. And then he, he went down to the devout person. He ran into them and he talked to them about the gospel. And then he was in the market, you know, where they were buying the food. You know, the grocery store. And he talked to people there. And, and in fact, everywhere that he went, when he met with people, listen, he began to tell them about Jesus and what he did for him on the cross. Every crack that he could find... 
every conversation, Paul was looking for an opportunity to turn it so that he could talk about Jesus and what Jesus had did for him on the cross. Friend, when you truly get stirred, you can't help but talk about it. You just can't. It will consume your life. I, I have a problem, all right? We'll just... We'll just get out here in the, in the, in the open today. I mean, like, uh, you know, just, you know, confession time, okay? I have a problem, and that problem is, is when I get my mind focused on something, I cannot think of anything else. I mean, like, I'm just, I, I am a man, and therefore, by nature, I am one-track-minded. I cannot think of anything else. I cannot multitask. It just does not exist, all right? And so, like, I'm like, okay, I got to get this done. And all the ladies in this room understand, because your husband's the same way. And uh, if Tressa was here, she'd be saying, amen, all right? So this is just the way that it is. And so I will get my mind on something. Like, for example, uh, this past year, it's been on, I, I, I want to, I wanna, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of something that, like, we're have, we've, had, we've got three kids now, and, and with the price of everything, I've realized... We can't spend money on stuff because everything's too expensive. You know, we can't go out and actually go, like, go on vacation because it's so expensive. And so what do we do? We're going to do something that we can all do as a family that will be fun. And so I thought, okay, we're going to go camping. All right? You know, camping, right? And so, of course, but, I mean, to get started camping, you've got to have some gear and things like that. Now, we're not talking like the Ritz camping with, like, a camper. We're talking like, okay, we've got to go buy tents and sleeping bags and all that type of stuff. And, and, and so, you know, I'm going through. And, like, I'm just, like... I'm just like consumed with this. And I'm like, I'm one of these pers- people that I don't just want to go to Walmart and buy something. I got to watch all the videos on YouTube to see what the top 10 is so I can make sure I buy one of the top 10. Because surely if it's just in somebody's top 10, it's got to be good. And, uh, you know, and so, you know, I'm going through and I'm, I'm watching all these videos and I'm, I'm studying all these things and going through. And, and it, just, it just consumes your mind. I mean, it's just like the only thing that you think about until something else comes along. And then that's the only thing that you think about, right? You know, and, and it's just, that's just the way that it is. It's just kind of you move from one thing to another thing to another thing. And listen, it just consumes your mind. You know what the gospel should do? When you get stirred up, it should consume you. It should consume your life. Now listen, I can't, I can't answer for, for most of you this morning. But I wonder how much time you've spent talking about Jesus. I mean, reflect back on this last week. How much time did you spend talking to other people about Jesus? I dare say you, sp- you talked to people during this past week. I'm guessing. I mean, unless you sat in your house by yourself, locked the doors, and, and closed the windows, and just sat in front of the TV, which, I mean, is probably the most depressing thing you could have done. But, I mean, like, maybe, I mean, like, I'm sure you talked to people. Did you talk to anybody about Jesus? And the pr- answer is, is for, for most, probably not. And and I'll just be honest with you, the reason is because it doesn't consume your life. Now, you talked about something. I talked to Tress about camping. (laughs) We all talk about the things, what, that we're consumed with. Everywhere that we go, we should be seeking out opportunities to talk about Christ. To invite others to church to turn every conversation toward an opportunity to share the Lord. You see, Jesus Christ, His last command should be our first priority. What is that? Mark chapter number 16, verse 15. And He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then He went up into heaven. That was the command that He gave to those of us that are still here. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 20, the Bible says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray, you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. He says, listen, you are, have been given a title, an ambassador. 
We've all seen maybe on, on the news or we've heard things about an ambassador of the United States. Who is it? It's somebody that goes to another country and represents the United States. And understand this, it's not an eight to five thing, right? Now, some of them it probably is. I mean, like, but it's not supposed to be. They shouldn't get to five o'clock and, and punch the clock and then go and live like however they want to. No, they are representative of the United States all the time, all day long. It is their life. And listen, friend, we're an ambassador for Christ. Amen. So why do we think that we can wake up on Sunday morning and I can throw on a suit and a tie and walk in and say, Oh, look at me. I'm an ambassador. And then take it off. And when I take off the suit and the tie, my ambassadorship goes with it. Listen, friend, it ought to be every hour of every day of our entire life. It ought to consume us. God has called us to be an ambassador. When is the last time you viewed anything in your life through your position in Christ? You're an ambassador. Listen, if Christ were our boss, now it doesn't work this way, okay? He's not our boss. But listen, listen, okay, just think with me. If he were our boss, most of us would get fired because we haven't been doing our job. I mean, let's just be honest. We're supposed to be an ambassador for Christ. And most of us are like, you know, I just don't feel like that today. Could you imagine doing that at your work? <laughs> listen, there's a reason I'm self-employed, okay? You know? No, I'm just Listen. I mean, could you imagine? They look at you and say, no, that's not how that works. Like, you're, you're an employee of our company. You, you show up and you, you do what we tell you to. Like, you don't just get to do whatever you want to do. You have to do what we said. Why do we think it's any different with the God of this universe? With the one that died for my soul. He says, you're an ambassador for me. And we say, okay, yeah, I'll do that eh, when I got time. And we open our eyes to the world around us. See the need of this hour and step into that position that God has called us to. In Acts chapter number 11, when the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch, it meant something. When they were called Christians, it literally meant little Christ's. When people saw them and they said, oh yeah, that person, they're, they're a Christian. They're a little Christ. What were they? They were an image of who Christ was. And most of us in this room would identify as a Christian. But are you living up to that name? Or is it simply a role you put on for Sunday morning? Oh friend, I hope that the Holy Spirit is stirring in you this morning. I can't just sit by. Go through the motions anymore. We can't just pretend like, oh, everything's hunky-dory and, and everything's fine. And everything will just work out in the end. No, friend, we've been put here for a purpose. You ever wonder why God didn't save us and then just take us to heaven? Wouldn't that have been nice? I mean, like, man, uh, that would have been incredible. I mean, like, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. Then I get saved and God's like, okay, come on home. And it's like, oh. I'm in the presence of God and I'm in eternity and I never struggle with sin and I never have any heartache. I never have any pain. I mean, like it, life is like perfect, but he didn't do that. He left us here. But he gave us a purpose. We're supposed to take what we've been given and, and share it with others. Are we doing what God left us here to do? See, in Isaiah chapter number five, verse number 14, it's one of the most convicting verses for me personally. The Bible says this, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure in their glory, their multitude, and their pomp, and he that rejoices shall descend into it. This is interesting. 
Because the Bible tells us that hell was created for the devil and his angels. You understand that there's only a certain number of the angels that followed Satan whenever he fell from heaven. There's only a certain number. Uh, Angels do not procreate. They aren't making more angels. There's only a certain number. Hell was created for the devil and his angels, which means it had a certain size. There were certain dimensions. I, I don't know exactly how it worked, but somewhere there were blueprints for hell and the creation of it. It was supposed to be made this side. Walls here, walls here. And that was how big it was supposed to be. But here's the problem. People are rejecting Christ. And when people reject Christ, the Bible says there's an expansion project going on in hell. The walls are continually being knocked down and expanded. Why? Because people are rejecting Him. During the message this morning, somebody died. Multiple people died. And opened up their eyes to be tormented forever in hell. Does that bother you? It should. You say, well, I don't know who they are. Oh, listen, friend, you're missing it. Listen, this is the reason that we should be passionate about missions. This is the reason where we should be burning. This is the reason why we should be saying, listen, i got other things going on. I know this week is going to be busy, but I'm going to set aside this time. Why? Because I, this, is God, this was God's heartbeat. Missions was God's heartbeat. Going to the world and preaching the gospel to every creature. That's God's heartbeat. And I want to be a part of God's heartbeat. Missions. Hey, listen, our kids have a ball game on Wednesday night. You know what we're going to do? Service starts at 7 p.m. If the game's not over, they're going to finish and they're going to be here in church on Wednesday night. On Friday night, they have a game. And I think it's in, I forget, it's in Harrison, Sheridan, Sheridan, somewhere around there. You know what's going to happen on Friday night? They're not going to go to the ball game. You say, Kyle, you got little kids. I know. I know they're little. It's, I mean, it's T-ball. Like, they don't even know what they're doing out there. I mean, they just go for the snack. I mean, I get it. <laughs> But listen, there's a precedence that's being set. That listen, we're not going to put things before the most important thing. We're putting God first. Listen, I don't say that because I want to judge anybody. and, And I understand things come up. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm getting at is I feel like sometimes in our life, we put the big rock of God and the great commission on the outside. And we fit in all these other things that are good. But they are not the most important thing. Oh, I watched as friends growing up who had incredible ability. And their parents chose to put sports ahead of church. And they said it wasn't that big of a deal at that time. But if you saw where those boys are now, they're not in the NBA, by the way. But if you saw where they are now, you might be left scratching your head and thinking, maybe it would have been better if they put them in church. I know this is uncomfortable. We should, we should move on. Okay, so this is just, I know it's awkward. No, listen, friend. Sometimes it's good to hear hard preaching, to feel uncomfortable. See, Luke 19.10 says this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He gave his life for that. And it's what we should be giving our life to as well. A few years ago, when we had an office here in town, I was there working, and some of you have heard this before, but I was there working in town, and somebody sent a message to Tress and said, somebody, I, there's a vehicle at the church, we don't recognize who it is, it looks like they're inside. And, um, 
And I'm like, well, nobody told me that they were going to be in the church. It's before we had a security system or anything. I'm like, you know, somebody's robbing this place blind. You know, I, I don't know. I just became the pastor. And uh, Trust is like, you should probably go check on that. And so I had her on my Bluetooth, and I went over there. And, like, in my mind, you know, it was like, I'm going to keep her on there just in case. You know, I mean, like, go inside, and, like, if there's a serial killer in there, you know, I mean, like, I want her, the last words that I say to her to be, I, I'm here because of you. I mean, like, I just, I wanted her to know that it was her fault, okay, you know, and, uh, and so I'm walking up to the door, and, like, I reach to open the door, and the door opens up, and I'm like, ah, you know, like, a little girl scream, and I back away, and it was somebody working on our internet, and, uh, and it was like, oh, okay, all right, you know, and I, I kind of just kind of conversed with them there for a minute, and uh, afterwards, I walked over, and I went to get back in my vehicle, and I climbed inside, and, like, all of a sudden, it was like something in my head said, invite him to church. And I was like, like it was like an audible voice. Like the Holy Spirit, this is incredible. This has never happened to me before. And then I remembered that she was on my Bluetooth. And it was just Tressa. And she was, she was saying, invite him to church. Invite him to church. I said, oh, yeah. And so I went over and I invited him to church and everything. But I remember I, after I got done with that, I hung up the phone. I went back to, to the office. And, and I'm sitting there. I'll never forget. I sat down in my chair. And it was just, I mean, it was clear as day. Listen, it wasn't an audible voice this time, but it was, it might as well have been. The Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, that's how it ought to be all the time. The Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, witness to them. Invite them to church. Step out of your comfort zone. Are we stirred this morning? I, I hope, I hope Something stirs within us. And we realize that we need to be listening to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. When's the last time that you invited someone to church? When's the last time that you gave someone a gospel track in the back? When, when's the last time that, that, that a missions letter was read and, and you just, you, you can, your heart was convicted and said, man, I'm going to pray for that person, for that missionary, and I'm going to pray that they have fruit and fruit that remains. And I would say for most We've probably failed at living the stirred up Christian life. But I hope today God's word stirs you. And, and listen, it's, 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 a, it's like a flipping a light switch. Something just clicks. You're just like Paul. You see the city wholly given to idolatry. You just get stirred up. And you just can't help it. You just got to tell somebody about the now listen, we're almost done here. I don't want to miss this last part because this, is, this may be my favorite part of this whole passage. Because we see Paul saw the city's condition and he started preaching everywhere. And listen, I love this. He left an impact. <laughs> I love this. Look at verse number 18. I don't know why this is, this just, this is, it just tickles me every time. This, then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics, listen to what it says about it. They encountered him. And some said, what will this babbler say? Some others say, he seemeth to be a setter of strange gods because he preached unto them uh, Jesus and the resurrection. Uh, the people, uh, the Bible, I love this, okay? Because it says here, it doesn't say certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics, they met Paul. Okay, it doesn't say that. It says they encountered Paul. They, they encountered him. Do you understand? When people met Paul, 
It was an encounter, okay? It was like the Paul experience, all right? I mean, like when you met Paul, you never forgot it, all right? It was just like, man, that guy, there's something about him, okay? And uh, maybe he was weird. I don't know. Uh, some believe that, that he talks about having a thorn in the flesh, and, and some believe that, that it was a problem with eyesight. He had a problem with, with vision, and, and so that he would take, and he, they had eye salves and stuff. He'd put the eye salve on, on his eyes, and some believe that as he walked around in his daily life, he had this eye salve on his eyes and it would just kind of ooze down like this. I mean, can you imagine running into this guy? I mean, like, it would have been an experience. Be like, Mom, you never believed who I met today. Like, this guy was nuts, okay? I mean, like, listen, when they met Paul, it wasn't just a meeting. It was an encounter, okay? It was an experience. And when Paul left a place, he left an impact. And when Paul's life ended, people knew that he lived. Left an impact through his life that was given to being stirred up for Christ. This morning, when you die, will anyone know that you lived? When you reach the end of your life, you breathe your light last breath, will anyone know that you were even here because you made an impact for eternity? We need to stop. Stop. Living for ourselves and for personal gain. Put on that ambassador uniform and stand out for Christ. 2 Corinthians 6.17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. In Matthew chapter number 5, he says, This year the light of the world, city that is set on a hill, cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. You know what that is? That's outward things that you do. Everybody loves to go back there to 1 Samuel and, and, and say, listen, God looks on the heart. Man sees the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. So it's the heart that really matters. Yes, your heart matters, but understand, man looks on the outward appearance. He wasn't lessening that. Right here, Jesus was preaching and says, let them see your good works. That's the actions that you do. And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Are you pointing anybody to Christ with the things that you do? Paul said it this way. He said, listen, you want to know what my life looked like? In Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the light which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, this life is not my own. I belong to Jesus and I am living a crucified life that is controlled completely by Him. In Matthew chapter number 16, the Bible says this, Then said Jesus unto His disciples, If any man will come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for My sake shall find it. In Acts chapter number 4, Peter and John had just healed the impotent man. And, and, and they were brought before the rulers for their crimes, is what the Bible tells us that happened. They were commanded not to teach, not to preach any longer in the name of Jesus. And you know what they said? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter number 4, verse number 19. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether to be right in the sight of God, darken unto you more than to God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak... The things which we have seen and heard. 
They said, listen, whether you think it's right or not, hey, that's up to you. But listen, friend, what we have experienced, what God has done in our heart, what God has done in my life, I cannot help but talk to others about it. I can't help but preach and speak about what Jesus has done and a change in my life. I can't help but talk about it. Jeremiah said, listen, there's a fire that's burning in my bones. I just got to let it out. In Acts chapter number 4, verse number 24, after they were let go, the Bible says, and when they heard that, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. Listen, they lifted up their voice. They got excited about the things of God. And you know what happened in verse number 31? And then they began to pray. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word with all word of God with boldness. Peter and John left an impact for the cause of Christ. Listen, friend, I'm thankful as I have studied through history and church history and looked through people that have given great sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Oh, friend, we don't even know most of their names, but I'm thankful for a few of them that, listen, got up off of their couch and decided they weren't just going to be comfortable as they went through life, but they were going to make an impact for the cause of Christ. I'm thankful for John Wycliffe, who was the first to translate the Bible into English for all the common people in their common language. And when he died, his bones were dug up and burned and cast into a river in defiance uh, to his work that he did for the Lord. I'm thankful for John Huss who sang and prayed as he was burned at the stake for refusing to recant his faith and that salvation was through faith in Christ alone and refused to have his baby baptized. I'm thankful for Thomas Hawk who was tied to the stake just like John Huss and as he was burned for refusing to have his baby baptized and everybody thought that he was dead and finally whenever the, 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 the flames burned through the ropes that bound his hands, suddenly all that was left, everybody thought he was dead nothing but nubs left for hands all of a sudden he lifted them above his head and three times he clapped them together and those in the crowd knew what exactly that meant what he was telling to them is listen it is worth it to give it all for Jesus Christ I'm thankful for William Tyndale who like Wycliffe translated the Bible into English and printed it for the common people and was strangled to death for having done so and his body was burned I'm thankful for the disciples of Jesus Christ who all but John the beloved died a martyr's death because they refused to recant their faith and listen friends, there are so many more down through the history that we do not know their names that listen friend, if they could be here today if they could see us freely taking God's word and opening it and preaching from it and singing praises to God, understanding the impact that their lives made for Christ an impact that lasted oh they wouldn't be able to contain themselves friend they'd be stirred up this morning what are you doing for Christ with your life that's going to leave an impact. You see, the greatest use of your life is to use your life so that the use of your life outlives your life. The greatest use of your life is to use your life so that the use of your life outlives your life. What are you doing that is going to last not just on this earth, but for all of eternity? Who are you going to get to heaven? You're going to be able to walk over and say, oh, I'm glad to see you here. And they're going to say, thank you for showing me, Jesus. You see, on that day, it won't matter how many ball games you won. It won't matter how many TV shows that you watched. It won't matter how much money you made or how big of a house that you had, how nice of a car that you drove. It won't matter any of those things. The only thing that's going to matter is what you did for Jesus. And we need Christians who will determine to live a life for the cause of Christ. Who will make an impact in the name of Jesus 
Christians who will get busy reaching a lost and dying world with the gospel. Christians who will step out of their comfort zone and get stirred up to do something for God. What will you do to make an impact for Christ this week? Psalms 126, verses 5 and 6 says this, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth. That's, that's, that's getting stirred up. You don't weep for things you aren't stirred up about. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Oh, what is that seed? You can mark it down. Right here. He that goeth forth with weeping, with passion, with brokenness, taking this seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with him. Today, why don't we bow our hearts and ask the Holy Spirit to stir you up so that you will see the condition of our world, get busy giving the gospel, and leave an impact for the cause of Christ. You understand the mission field is not some far distant land. The mission field is your life. That's the first mission field. And I believe firmly that until you get passionate about this mission field, you won't be passionate about that one. But when we get stirred up about this one, hopeless and God works in our heart. We will get passionate about that one. This morning, Ask the Lord to stir you up. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. As we finish the service this morning, we're going to have a brief time of invitation. What is that? It's an opportunity for us to really just just meet with the Lord. And and listen, you can come to an altar. You may need to kneel in your seat, but you say, you know what? I just need to take a few moments and just, just talk to the Lord. God spoke to me this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you played a game for a long time. That's, that can happen. I know many people that, that, that that's happened to. Played a game for a long time. And you say, Kyle, I've never truly accepted Christ as my Savior. I've been playing a game. This morning, God spoke to my heart. I don't want to expand hell. I don't want to, want to be one of those people. Oh, I want to know Jesus is my Savior. This morning, right where you're seated, you can pray and say, Jesus, will you forgive me for my sins? I put my faith and trust in you and you alone. You say, Kyle, is it really that easy? Religion will tell you it is not. Religion will tell you you have to do a bunch of things. The Bible tells you that it's Jesus and him alone. Put your faith and trust in him right where you're at. If you're here this morning and God stirred you up, oh friend, will you respond to the Lord? See the example of Paul. Get out and get busy doing something for him. Oh, what a great opportunity. We got a missions conference this week. Say, God, I don't know what you have for me, but I know this. I'm going to commit to grow. Be more passionate for you. With heads bowed and with eyes closed, let's stand together as the music plays.